Shabbat Shalom and greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Not only Shabbat Shalom, but it is Yom Teruah today, and we are in the full feasts of Yahuwah. It's good to be back, brethren. It's good to receive you, and I pray that the blessing is mutual. Greet one another in the chat. I see you in the chat there, everybody. It is Yom Teruah. If you have a shofar handy, then whip that bad boy out and praise Yahuwah for this season. This is a season, brethren, of inward, inward reflection. As we now enter into the 10 days of awe, it's not about you. It's about what's going on inside of me. You might trigger me but it's really what's happening inside of me. And that is the time that Yahweh wants us to spend with him. These 10 days before Yom Kippur, so that then we can pass through the fires, the refiner's fire, and we can come into the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot, that is fast approaching fast approaching. Now, in the link below, you'll be able to register for the Feast of Tabernacles coming up here in two weeks. And we do have space here in Oregon, and we have many people that are coming up. And of course, we have Brenda, who's going to be teaching, and we have um, Sister Libby from the Libby Tube, myself as well, and Worship from up in Snohomish, and many, many that we would like to welcome more and more. And I want to take this little time, if you would just give me the time, just to admonish you all, whilst I was gone, whilst I was gone and I was on a trip and went back to England and got to see my mother, which was a very, very rich, rich time. And um, I'm good. I'm glad to return. But while I was gone, there was a public controversy, a public controversy that was stirred up on social media that I didn't know about fully until I came back. But my wife and I, we decided that we wanted to accept the husband and wife at its center into our home because we like to do things Bible ways because we've made many mistakes, but we realize that you want to look at people in the eye and you want to go panaim el panaim, face to face. So we invited the husband and wife in question into our house and praise Yahweh through prayer, hot cups of tea and twiglets. We settled the controversy privately. And I pray that all of those of you that got engaged in a public controversy, that you would look inward and you would ask yourself, why did I get triggered? How did I get drug in to respond to something like that? Why did I choose to engage in a public controversy and deal with things publicly? Social media, Facebook, YouTube, these are not the venues for believers to deal with believers. We must rise above the temptations to reach out and point fingers. We must rise above the temptations to get on a keyboard. Because in my life, I have found by accepting 
and by settling a controversy, you find peace. The, the controversy is settled. My wife and I spent the time, did the due diligence that we believe we were supposed to do according to the scripture, and we have settled the controversy. So I pray for all of you that were affected by it, that you truly, in these 10 days of awe, that you would do your due diligence, that you would look inside of your heart for forgiveness, and maybe if you find that maybe there was an area that was triggered in you, that you'd question, well, where does that hurt come from? Why did that bother me so much? Because you may find that in these 10 days of awe, that you can get healing in an area that you didn't realize maybe needed to be healed. My admonishment, because I've made the mistakes, all of the mistakes, and like Paul, I am the chiefest, the chiefest of sinners, but I do admonish you, learn from my mistakes and never get engaged in a public controversy. Avoid a public controversy at all costs. The facts are on the moon, brethren. The controversy is settled. The matter is closed. I pray Yahweh's blessings upon all of you. Let's delve into the teaching because this is a teaching today, a topical teaching on Yom Teruah. So I'll give you some scriptures and we'll start off with, of course, Tehillim Psalm 98 and the sixth verse, it is written with trumpets and the sound of the horn shout joyfully before the King Yahuwah. This is a day to raise your voice, to raise your voice in the public square. If you're going to do anything publicly, then you publicly proclaim the gospel, proclaim Yahuwah, pro proclaim the feasts. That's what we do publicly. And that is the way of the righteous. In Psalm 89, in the 15th verse, it is written, how blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. That's the blast of the shofar. And it is a joyful sound. At the feasts, whenever we're trying to gather the children, whenever we're trying to call everybody to the dining hall or to come to the teachings, what would we do? We would always shout, the sound of the shofar, the gathering of the troops, the, the marshalling of the tribes together, the coming of a king, the battle cry for war. These are so many reasons for Yom Trua, the sound of the shofar. Traditionally today, it's the day of shouting. The day of shouting. So last night we got to go up into my side pasture and blow the shofar. And my son now, who's 16 years old, I reminded him of when he was about four or five years old and he still remembered it. And he looked up into the sky when I blasted the shofar, that Yom Trua, so many years ago. And like a little child, he said, is Yahushua coming now? I mean, he really was like, he thought, this is it. And um, he still remembers that, don't you? It was so powerful because we've raised our children from before the womb, in the womb of the Feast of Yahweh, the day of shouting. <laughs> Teruah, 
clapping the hands. Clap all the hands, all nations. Shout out to Elohim with a singing voice, the psalmist says in the 47th Psalm in the second second verse. Yes, yes, let's clap the hands. Shout all nations. Shout to Elohim. It's with a singing voice. Shout to Elohim all the earth, Psalm 66, verse 1. That's what this season is about. This is a special day. This is a marker because I know the next 10 days, I'm really going to be looking at me and how I can change myself and how I can become better and what I need healing of, those deep parts. And if my wife triggers me, which she hardly ever does, I'll know it's not my wife, it's what's in me that needs to be dealt with. Sing to Elohim our strength. Shout to the Elohim of Yaakov is written in Psalm 81 and the 12th verse. In the 100th, 100th chapter of the psalm, it says, shout to Yahweh all the earth. You can shout with the shofar. If you've got the shofar, blast the shofar. It is a particular frequency that was matched when they were marching around Jericho and they blew that shofar and boom, it exploded the walls of Jericho. I was in Israel many, many years ago and there was this girl that could rip on a shofar and she could rip on a shofar so, so loud at such a pitch that it would could blast the windows out of a car. Blast the windows out of a car. So, yeah, frequency and that resonance. Yom Trua, the day of shouting here. Of course, the Hebrew word there, here, you hear Shema. It's not just audible. It is to hear and obey. So our obedience is just coming to the feasts. Our obedience is just celebrating the Shabbat. Now, there's questions that always come up. Well, it's Rosh Hashanah. It's New Year. Well, hang on a minute. Maybe Babylonian Jews' New Year. Well, where did that come from, Rosh Hashanah? What is Rosh Hashanah? Well, Rosh Hashanah is the Jewish New Year. But today isn't the Jewish New Year. Well, there's two reasons that I found in my studies. You may find more. If you do, put them up in the comment section underneath or in the chat down the side here. There's two reasons that I found that the Ashkenazi call it Rosh Hashanah or New Year today. Number one reason is the Babylonian Akitu. Akitu. You see, Yom Teruah, often fell on the same day as the Babylonian New Year's festival that was known as Akitu. Now, Akitu fell on the first day of Tishri, which coincided with Yom Teruah on the first day of the seventh month. So, tradition, tradition, the Babylonian Jews started calling the seventh month by the Babylonian name Tishri, which of course then paved the way to turning Yom Teruah into the Babylonian Jewish Akitu or New Year. Does that make sense? Many traditions, Isaiah says, 
you follow the traditions of men instead of hearing and obeying, shimaring the voice of Yahuwah. Now, the second reason that the Babylonian Jews call this Rosh Hashanah or New Year that I've found is Yom Teruah, or Rosh Hashanah as they call it, actually is the New Year of the creation calendar. Because if you go to Bereshit, Genesis, in the beginning, Bereshit, now, if you look at that in the Hebrew and you turn the letters around, it is actually reads Aleph Batishri, Aleph Batishri, or on the first of Tishri. So the interpretation is Yom Teruah is the head of the creation year. And then 10 days later, Adam and Eve sinned on Yom Kippur, and they were given garments of skin because that was the first animal sacrifice. Okay, so that comes from Aleph Petishri, the switching around of, in the beginning, the very first words in Scripture. And that is the tradition there. So that makes a lot more sense to me. So, therefore, New Year of the Creation Year. Does that make sense? Aleph Petishri. But we know the head of the biblical year of Israel is when? Aviv. The Aviv, of course, beginning in the month that we have Passover on the 14th of Aviv is the head of the year, according to the scripture in the book of Shemot. Now, Tishri, Babylonian, but there are 12 months in a year for the 12 tribes of Israel. So whatever calendars we're buffing around on, and I don't claim to be the calendar guru or expert, I would never claim that. And again, I always want to extend an olive branch of Israel to all Israelites, whatever calendar they are studying. Because I believe that Yahushua will come and set us all straight, and I'm willing to turn and follow him rather than the doctrines, traditions, and calculations of men or me. So what I do know from Scripture is that there aren't 13 months in a year. There's 12 months in a year, as there are 12 tribes of Israel. And a tribe represents every month of the Hebrew year. That makes sense, doesn't it? Makes sense to me. So the month of Tishri is the month of the tribe of Dan. Now, Dan, we know, was born of Bilcha, Bilcha, Rachel's maid. And Rachel said in Bereshit, in Genesis, chapter 30, verse 6, she said this, Elohim has judged me. Now, the Hebrew word there is Dananai, Dananai, and has also heard my voice. So from that, you get Dan and you get Din, meaning Yom Hadin, Yom Hadin, meaning this is the day of judgment. The day of judgment are both derived from the same root as Dan and Danin, meaning that Tishri, the month of Tishri, is the time of Yahweh's judgment and the time of Yahweh's forgiveness if we do the inward work and we repent. Tishri is the time of judgment, self-judgment. But if you're not willing to judge yourself, 
then Yahweh will judge you. Right? So this is truly the time to be looking at taking those massive big planks out of my own life. Massive big planks. Absolutely massive. You see, not every month of the Hebrew calendar has its sign in the zodiac or the mazal. The sign of the zodiac for Tishri, of course, is the scales. Now, some of you might be freaking out. Who oh, is talking about the zodiac? Now, there's a distinction between astronomy and astrology. Astrology is witchcraft. Astronomy is the study of the zodiac. That's okay. But when you start trying to read the future by tea bags, if you're English, then that's not good, okay? Or that would be astrology. So we don't do that. So just so that you know. But Tishri, you have the scales, which symbolizes, of course, the day of judgment. Now, we know in Scripture that there's a first trump and a last trump. What does that relate to? Well, it relates to the teaching of Abraham and Yitzhak. It relates to the two horns on the ram, which was caught in the thicket on Mount Moriah. Now, in the sayings of the fathers, it's called Perke Avot. I have the book at home by Rabbi Eliezer. It's a good read. tells us that the left horn represents the first trump, and it was blown on Mount Sinai. And its right horn represents the last trump, which will be blown to herald the coming of the Mashiach. So we know that Yahushua fulfilled the spring feasts absolutely perfectly. So the first horn has been blown. But now by us blowing symbolically and literally blowing the shofar together today and when we gather at the feasts, we are anticipating the coming of the king. It's the announcement and the expectation in our heart. And I believe when we blow that shofar, we are affecting the creation. We are bringing order into the chaos of this world. And any time that you need to break through the strongholds in this world that seem to be spiritually pull down those strongholds and those enemies, then rip on that shofar and change the frequency. You could be having a controversy with your wife. You could just pick up the shofar and just blow it at her. My wife is saying, at her? Maybe not. Maybe I'm stirring up a controversy with more. With her. With her. Thank you, honey. With her. In Romans, in the 14th chapter and the 10th verse, it is written, But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Eloah. It is so much easier for me to judge my brother and to have to contempt for my brother when really, man, I need to be judging myself and have contempt for my behavior. Me going back to England always takes me on a very, very inward journey of reflection pound in the pavement and walk in those streets of my lost youth and seeing my mother who's very very aged and not so well in health 
physically makes me contemplate much. And it was a very stirring and extremely difficult time for me. But I tell you what, the reflection, the inward reflection, I had my daughters with me, which was super special, that new generation, that new generation. And to walk with my daughters that know Yahweh, that have been raised with Yahweh, that are on fire for Yahweh, and to walk where I grew up lost, secular. Man, I tell you, I mean, I was just like, I was just in such a, a, an amazing place with Yahuwah just to see what he's done in my life and to realize that all of the troubles in my life, well, not all, but the majority of them, I caused them by my actions, by me not taking action when I should have done or by me not searching deep within me for what Yahweh had already placed there. Because he's placed it within all of us, just like he said to the prophet Jeremiah, I foreknew you in your mother's womb. Your problems and my problems are not somebody else's cause. It's our own cause. And when we realize that, you'll really have peace. You'll really find acceptance. And that's what Yom Teruah is all about. In 2 Corinthians, in the 5th chapter, in the 10th verse, it is written, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Mashiach, that each one may be recompensed his deeds in the body, yes, that flesh of mine, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. It's amazing. It's 2022. I look back on past teachings and I look at some of the things that I have taught over the past 15 or so years. And we had full anticipation 15 years ago at Yom Teruah that Yahushua was coming back. And that we're still here in 2020 is remarkable. But at this very juncture at time, in light of King Charles III, it might be appropriate for you to pick up a book called The Antichrist and the Cup of Tea just in case you want to get silly. I read that book many, many years ago. And I think I read it on the same weekend that I read Fossilized Customs. I walked around in a daze for a month. Because I think I spent, a four, I think I took a Friday off and a Monday off. And I was like, okay, I'm going to read The Antichrist in a Cup of Tea and Lou White's Fossilized Customs this weekend. I had no children, so that shows you how long ago it was. And I walked around in a daze for a month. If you want to go down that road, then now would be the most appropriate time in light of King Charles III. See what you think. It's a fun read. Anyway, let me get back on track here. Get some funny looks here in the audience. 1 Corinthians, in the third chapter, in the 13th verse, it is written, Every man's mitzvot, his work shall be made manifest for the light on Yom Hadin, the day of judgment. We're in the month of judgment. And he shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's mitzvot, his works, of what sort it is. If any man's works remain, which he has built on, he shall receive his reward. And if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved as, as one who has been saved by fire. I have gone through fire 
most probably more in the past decade than I have in my whole life. Um, and I tell you what, as difficult as it would has been, I wouldn't change it for the world because I am a better man because of it. Because it has caused me to be hard-pressed and it has burned off a bunch of chaff in my life. Blaming others, being aggressive, fighting, accusing. Oh, I have peace. I have peace. This reminds me. It used to really bother me. There's so many videos out there saying, oh, Matthew Nolan is this, he's that, he's this, he's that. And once upon a time, I would enter into debate and to, into controversy over those videos. But then I came to realize, you know, that Yahweh is teaching us in the book of Shemot in Exodus, in the fourth chapter specifically. When Moshe Rabbeinu who came to Yahweh and he said, well, who shall I say sent me? And he said, a year, a share, a year. Tell them, I am who I am. A year, I am sent you. And the teaching there is when you truly accept what anything this world can throw at you. The world can say all they want about you. They can call you a red-faced tiger. They can call you a green baboon. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the world says about me. I am who I am. And that is deep within me now because I understand the teaching. And when you can do that, you can part the waters of chaos and you can walk through as of dry land. I admonish all of you, become I am who I am. It doesn't matter what I say about you. It doesn't matter what your neighbor says about you. If you are walking and doing the deep work that is required in this month, then you are who you are. And it doesn't matter, does it? Think about that. It's true freedom. It's true freedom. This is the day of shouting. This is the day of shouting. When are we going to bring in the king? And I'm not talking about King Charles III here. I'm talking about the one true King Yahusha. Teruah, it means the awakening blast. Because the whole theme of Yom Teruah, brethren, this isn't just rote. We're not just blowing shofars. Oh, it's the, you know, the feast of Yom Teruah. No, this is a theme to awaken for Matthew to come out of his slumber, for you, brethren, to come out of your slumber. We do not want to be in a spiritual slumber. You know, I had this conversation with my mother when I was in England. She said, well, Matthew, I... I'm kind of on the fence. And I said, Mum, I said, you know, I had to speak to her in her language, of course. I said, Mother, I said, you know you like it when I make you a good, nice, hot cup of tea? She's like, yes. I said, no, I, I'm, I like iced tea. I said, but Mum, if I made you a nice hot cup of tea and I left it out on the counter for several hours, would you want to drink it? She's like, no. I said, well, Yahusha said that. 
He said, it's better for you to be on fire for him, just be an atheist set against him. But you can't be on the fence. You can't be lukewarm. My mother responded to me. She said, well, well maybe I'll just go and read my Bible and, 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 and for another time. And I said to my mother, I said, Mom, I said, there's another verse in Scripture, and it says, today is the day of salvation. Why would you put off tomorrow what you can do today? And that touched my mother's heart. And I've been praying for my mother for 25 years. Yahuwah is faithful. He is faithful to answer our prayers. We just got to keep praying because we do not know when. And this comes back to acceptance. When we accept all controversies, we don't know when Yahuwah will discharge them. We don't know when Yahuwah will bring the remedy. That's not for us to know. We just have to be faithful because he is faithful. In 1 Corinthians, in the 15th chapter, in the 51st verse, it is written, Behold, I show you a deep. It's very deep. And most of you won't get it, but it's a sowed mystery. We shall not all die. But we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last shofar. For the shofar shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Look at the blessing that we receive when we understand the meaning of Yom Teruah and the blowing of the shofarim. The shofarim, look at the blessing. And of course, its root is in Torah, Leviticus, Vaikra, in the 23rd chapter. You know it well, the 23rd verse, where it's written. And Yahuwah spoke unto Moshe, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first of the month, will be a day of rest, a Shabbaton, a Shabbaton for you, a Zikron Teruah in the Hebrew, Zikron Teruah meaning a remembrance shouting, a holy convocation, a mikro kodesh. You shall do no work and you shall bring a fire sacrifice to Yahuwah. And the fire sacrifice that we bring now is burning that inside fire, stoking it hot, not being lukewarm, not being cold, not being tepid, and burning the chaff and sin out of our life by self-examination. Numbers in the first verse of the 29th chapter, it is written in the seventh month on the first of the month will be a mikra kodesh, a holy convocation for you. You shall do no work. It will be a yom teruah, a day of shouting for you. It's fascinating to me. The Torah is full of so much explanation, but it doesn't give you the purpose of Yom Teruah. What's up with that? And because the Torah is so full of detailed explanation and direction, hukim and mishpatim, yet it doesn't say what the purpose of Yom Teruah is, it does that specifically to drive you and I to seek out its purpose. Because the deepest things in this life, they're not given to us. 
They're not given to us. We have to seek them out. It has to be birthed within us. The Torah gives at least one other reason for all of the other Moedim and two reasons for some. But, but there's no reason for Yom Teruah. See, I have come to value in my life acceptance, and I choose to live a life of acceptance. It's how I choose to live every aspect of my life. Now, that does not mean that I accede. Words mean things. That does not mean I accede. It doesn't mean I go around consenting and agreeing to everything and every charge put on me. No. No, it means I have shalom. It means I have peace because I settle and close all chaos that comes upon my borders and discharge the current chaos that surrounds me. Just as electricity discharges the charge, we are an electrofrequency of Yahweh. And prayer and petition and living right by not polluting our body temples charges that frequency higher. It resonates higher at a pitch like the sound of the shofar. And when we do that, we can discharge the charge. By acceptance, you discharge the charge. If you fight it, it's a blockage, and it will cause an explosion, a hand grenade in your life, because it's a controversy you've entered into. Now this, to me, is part of the secret or the sowed mystery of Yom Teruah that I've discovered, because this is one of only two holy days in Scripture. Bear with me. I hope you're still with me. This is one of only two holy days in Scripture not based on a historical event or an agricultural activity. There's no sowing, there's no reaping, there's no barley, there's no wheat, there's no grape harvest here. Yom Teruah and Yom Kippur are days marked by their prophetic implications. It's a time to set aside for considering our relationship with Elohim, our relationship with family, our relationship with Israel, our mishpocha, our community family. It truly is supposed to be a deeply compelling and solemn time of self-examination and repentance. Because today begins the Ha Yamin Noarim, or in the English, the Ten Days of All. The Hebrew, Ha Yamin Noarim, the Ten Days of All. So Teruah literally means to make a loud noise. It can describe the noise made by a trumpet, the noise made by a large gathering or group of Israelites shouting in unison. These are the two types of trumpets that are used in the scripture, of course. Number one, we have the twin silver trumpets, and we have the shofar or the ram's horn. And on the Sabbath, there was within the temple 
a sign, and I've seen it. We saw it when we went to Jerusalem. I'm pointing at my wife here off camera. But there is an inscription right there down in the hotel on this massive, massive big block of wall that came off of the temple. And it says right on there in the Hebrew, the English translation, it has the picture of the silver trumpets. And it says, to the house of the blowing of the trumpet or to the house of the blowing of the trumpet shofar. And you can see it still to this day in Jerusalem. Because each Shabbat, what would happen is two men with silver trumpets and a man with a shofar made three trumpet blasts, excuse me, twice a day during the day. But on Yom Teruah, a day unlike any other day, the shofar is the primary trumpet. Today, the shofar is the primary trumpet. Now, on Yom Teruah, the shofar delivers the first blast, and a silver trumpet, the second blast, and then the shofar would deliver the third blast. Now, according to tradition, tradition and history, the trumpet used for this purpose was the ram's horn, not trumpets made as of metal that you see in the book of Bamidbar, Numbers chapter 10. That's where you get the instruction on the twin silver trumpets. But in Numbers chapter 10, verse 5, it is written, when you blow an alarm, then the camps that lie on the east shall go forward. Silver trumpets. In the book of Joshua and Yehoshua, chapter 6, verse 5, it is written, and it shall come to pass when the ram's horn makes a long blast, when you hear the sound of the shofar, the entire nation will ruah, will ruah, will shout a gadol teruah, meaning a great shout, as in gadol, as in high, as in great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall in its place and the people shall go up as one man against it. So that Ruah Teruah, the shout appears twice, does it not? And this is how the wall came a-tumbling down, blown apart. Isn't that amazing? The Midrash on this, of course, is thus. The shofar we hear on Yom Teruah ought to remind us of our acceptance of natural law divine law, which is Torah, and its obligations to it. This is the rabbinic midrash on that scripture. Let me repeat it to you because I want to camp on this just for a few minutes because this, before we close, is what I've discovered in my deep seeking while I was in England and now coming back and being able to teach this and looking forward to seeing you all at Sukkot and the feast, and that there was a public controversy while I was gone. I'll read you the Midrash. Thus, the shofar we hear on Yom Trua ought to remind us of our acceptance, there's the key word, of natural law, divine law, which is Torah, and our obligations to it. Think on that. You see, the world, brethren, has chosen to dishonor natural law. The world has chosen to dishonor divine law, the Torah. 
And that's why many of you are outcasts in your own family, because of the dishonor within it, because they dishonor the divine Torah, and now you're honoring the Torah, and that has caused a controversy. Because the world has chosen to dishonor natural law. The world has chosen to dishonor divine Torah. And the world has chosen not to walk in any obligations to it. It has instead, brethren, chosen to accept unnatural ways that are no law at all. They are not seen in the natural world, and they only exist in the vain, vain imaginations of men. In fact, the Apostle Paul specifically dealt with this with the Romans in the first chapter. They go against natural law. You don't see them in the creation world. You don't see them at all in the natural order of things. Our world has chosen and accepted chaos, fear, and subjection as its primary law. And that, brethren, is why you and I find ourselves in this flux situation. Because Yahweh has restored us to honor, yet our world has accepted chaos, fear, and subjection as its law of operation, and they are oblig obligated to follow it. But the shofar pierces that chaos. The shofar pierces that dishonor. It pierces the unnatural ways of the world, and it restores shalom, our inner electrofrequencies of our bodies, our minds, and our ruachim, our spirits, back to the creation. It's so important. How does it do it? Because the shofar is used to make war on the chaos. It is used to make war on the dishonor. The shofar is sounded when war is waged upon a dangerous enemy. So sometimes you might just want to pick up that shofar and blast in your house, blast in your neighborhood. You may want to take it down to work and blast it down there. Because dishonor, fear, unnatural ways, and chaos are dangerous enemies being thrust on us each and every day by this world. And unless we take a stand, it will ensue and encroach upon our borders. But when we realize it's out there, and we accept that it's out there, we can discharge the chaos. I hope that makes sense to you. We are electromagnetic beings in a frequency of Yahuwah. We accept the charge and we discharge the charge. You fight the charge, you cause a blocking, and there's an explosion and a fire, and you get burned. But with the shofar we hear on Yom Teruah, it serves to us as a battle cry to wage war against our outer and our inner enemy. Not only the world's sinful ways, but our own sinful inclinations, our own sinful passions. The shofarim, the shofar, was also sounding, of, of course, as a jubilee. 
you get released, you get discharged, you get set free. It's the heralding freedom from slavery to sin, slavery to chaos, slavery to the unnatural ways of this world that they have chosen to become enslaved to. But we don't have to. In Vaikra, in closing, in Leviticus chapter 23 in the 24th verse, Yom Teruah is referred to as Zikron Teruah. Speak to the children of Israel, saying in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a Shabbaton, a Zikron, a remembrance, a Teruah, a blowing, a holy convocation. Zikron is sometimes not all the time, but sometimes translated in the scripture as memorial. But it can also mean mentioning, as in speaking the name of Yahweh, a zikron, a memorial, a mentioning. So think about this, Exodus 3.15. And Elohim said moreover to Moshe, this shall you say to the children of Israel, Yahweh Elohim of your fathers, the Elohim of Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov has sent me to you. This is my name, Leolam Vayed, forever and ever. And this is my zikr, my memorial, my shout the shofar, my memorial name of Yahweh to all generations. In Isaiah, in the 12th chapter, in the 4th verse, it says, in that day, you shall say, Baruch Hashem Yahuwah, call upon his name. Declare his doings among the nations. Make Zachar mention that his name is exalted. So part of our blasting is blasting the name of Yahuwah's holiness to these pagan nations. Isaiah 26 and the 13th verse it is written. O Yahuwah, our Elohim, other masters besides you, you have had rule over us, but only in you will we, Zachar, make mention of your name. This is associated with the shofar cry. This is associated with the day. And Tehillim, Psalm 45 and the 17th verse, I will make your name be a Zachar, a remembered in all generations. Therefore, shall the people rejoice. Hallel, they shall rejoice and praise you forever and ever. Leolam by it. So the day of Zikron Teruah, the mentioning shout, refers to a day of gathering in public prayer, a day of gathering in which a crowd of faithful saints shouts the name of Yahuwah in one accord. Because we know that Yahuwah has a book of remembrance, Exodus chapter 32, verse 32, Malachi chapter 3, verse 16, Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. Yahuwah has a book of remembrance for remembering his name. And the blowing of the shofar is sounded at the catching up of believers and the resurrection of the dead. It's in our prophetic future, 1 Thessalonians 4.16. We know that Yochanan, John, was taken up to the Shamayim, the heavens, in the book of Revelation. And how was he taken up? Well, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, by the sound of the shofar, just as we shall be. There are seven shofarim, 
that was sounded when Yahweh judges the earth during the great tribulation, Revelation 8 and 9. So we know that this is a most important time for us. The works of us as believers in Messiah, they will be judged by Yahweh. Our salvation is assured in Yahushua, but our works will be judged. This is the judgment of believers in Yahushua only. You see, all people in this specific judgment are the believers in Yahushua only. Their salvation is assured, but now their works shall be judged. All people in this judgment are saved. This is not a judgment of your salvation, but a judgment of your rewards based upon your works. And the deepest work of all is getting that massive big beam out of our own eyes. That's the deepest work of all. Then we can go and help others. But how can we help others when we're knocking and banging into everything? We can't even navigate how to save somebody from the river when we've got a massive beam in our own eyes. We could actually do more damage. We could knock other people into the river too. You see, on this day, Yahweh will open the book of life. And he will hold trial. This is known as the Bema Seat Judgment. Its prophetic fulfillment is found in Acts chapter 24, in the 15th verse where it is written, having hope toward Yahweh, which they themselves also believe, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both the just and the unjust. And then, of course, in 1 Thessalonians, in chapter 4, verse 13. There is so much to see and so much to learn, but we know that this time is our time to do the inward work. That's all I've got for you. That's it. It's Yom Trua. I'm going to jump on over to the chat, see you, greet you. If you would like to get my attention, then please redline at TorahToTheTribes.com and we'll be able to connect. I'll be able to connect with you in the chat. Remember, you've got Yom Kippur coming up here in 10 days. We've got 10 days of awe, inward reflection. And you can sign up for Sukkot here in Oregon at TorahToTheTribes.com forward slash connect or right down below in the description. And we'll also have it banged up here in the chat if you want to do a quick connect right there. All right, Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. Let me refresh the chat. Bear with me here. Now you'll notice I'm not wearing my glasses because my wife admonished me. She said, I know you're blind as a bat, but make the text larger or, or do something because the lights, it makes you look like you're wearing sunglasses. But they're not sunglasses. They're actually prescription reading glasses. Um, but they do have a tint on them, do they not? When the light, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I did it without. Okay, so do that for you guys. I've got some complaints that was hiding behind, like men in black or something. All right, Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah, live chat. Here we go. Emissary of Elohim, good to see you. You all seriously need to make the Libby Tuba moderator, like seriously. We do? Thank you. That's a great idea. Libby Tube, would you want to be a moderator? 
Would you be willing to take on that responsibility? Put it up in the chat, LibbyTube. If you would like to be a moderator, we'd like all the assistance that we can. Thank you, that's good, good word, emissary of Elohim. All right, and we're moving down through the chat, through the chat here. Emissary of Elohim says, look up there, already did. Diesel Grandpa, Shabbat Shalom up there in Snohomish, but not Snohomish for very much longer. Emily Tala, Shabbat Shalom, Emily. Great message. We're excited to keep our first full feasts in Iowa, declaring war against our enemy with a shofar blast. Praise Yah. Thank you for the ministry. Well, praise Yah for you for finding us and joining us. And yeah, Man, you can just change the frequencies in your life. Just sometimes you just need a breakthrough, don't you? Yeah. Chris Warnicky, Shabbat, Shabbat Shalom, Chris Warnicky. Where did you go? You jumped. Oh, there you go. Welcome back, Matthew. This might just be your best teaching ever. Praise Yahweh. Oh, thank you. Humbled, humbled, stirred from the heart. Do you see? Man, I tell you, I was I had some. I had to do some deep, deep stuff over the past. Past several weeks. Man. It's tough, it's tough. Shabbat Shalom, Robert Gomez. Gomez. Can you please do a prayer for any sick family members of the congregation? Yes, we can. Brethren, let's pray for the sick right now. Father Yahuwah, Buru Kashem, Haba Yahuwah. Abba, we pray for all of those that may be afflicted, not only in body, but in spirit and in soul. Father, we know that this is your season of healing. So we ask, Father, that you would minister to the sick, that you would give your brethren, Father, the power to be able to Come alongside those that are sick and afflicted and aid them and equip them and anoint them and make for them and bring them into the fullness of which you have ordained. And this we pray by the power and by the blood of Yahushua HaMashiach. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Robert. Jose, Shabbat Shalom. Nice to have you back. He says, the first time the, the word shout true is used is to praise a king is when Israel shouted Yahuwah as their king and made Balaam repent and bless them instead. Well, there you go. I love to track this through in the language, in the scripture. Shabbat Shalom, clockwise, Lucy. A hot drink is good on a cold day. A cold drink is good on a hot day, but a lukewarm drink is good for nothing. There you go. It's a little little rhyme for you. I like that. Thank you, Aaron. Yes, the camera is now above nasal level. Uh, yes, thank you. Yes, the camera is now above nasal level. Uh, Baruch Hashem, Yahweh. Ellie, I'm messing with you. I know you're not Ellie. I know you're Eli now. The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes. Mishle, Proverbs 18, verse 17. Exactly. Exactly. And the facts are on the move. Um, that's my new thing. My wife doesn't like it when I say that because she doesn't believe in the moon. No, I'm oh. kidding. <laughs> oh, that would be crazy. No, I'm not getting into any of that nonsense. My wife will literally. I'll tell you one time, though, I will tell you a funny story about my wife while, I, while I've got. We live out in the country, 
and it was uh, it was a love it was most pro it was a beautiful night and my wife stepped out of the back uh, back door and she's like oh matthew is such a beautiful and we were most probably keeping the lunar shabbat back in those days right she's like it's a full moon and i'm like you know doing my calendar calculations and i'm like it's full moon she's like no it's a full moon and i'm like well you know my calendar calculations aren't exactly great, you know. Maybe I could be off, but I can't be that off. You know? It was the neighbor's spotlight. It was, it was through the trees, and she was convinced we had a full moon going. So, you know, my wife is definitely not the one to be calling in the Moadim, that's for sure. <laughs> They'd be well early or well late. Ah, Baruch Hashem, Yahweh, the silliness of it all. Shabbat Shalom, Carlos. We shall look forward to seeing you at Sukkot too. Baruch Hashem, Yahweh. And John Weaver, I am blowing my show far as you speak, but you should be blowing it here, brother, not down there. Not down there. Megan says, Shabbat Shalom, Megan. Um, thank you for the teaching. It's great to have me back. Thank you. It's great to be back. Great to be back. And we'll finish up with Sue Smith down here at the bottom. Matthew, you know we are Israelite, which is one true teaching that so many misunderstood. You see how I'm squinting to try and get that reading here by his chosen people. Thank you very much. We are Israel. We are Israel. Chai. Yes. And um, again, so much to learn. So much to learn. All right, Baruch Hashem Yahweh. So, brethren, great to be back. You're still here, 57 minutes in. Remember, you can always chat it up in the chat afterwards. Just admonish one another. Don't get involved in a public controversy at any cost. It will serve you well in your life. It has served me well in my life. And remember, now is the time get organized, get up here to Oregon, 114 acres right on the Santiam River, fishing, steelhead, salmon, trout, super good stuff. And we've got lots of stuff for the children. I know my children are totally set on camping in tents this year. The wife's not too happy about that, but the children are giving me a thumbs up with the camp tenting right now so if you've got young children young you know i'm saying what eight to 17 then tent up tent up should be fun should be fun my wife will make me a bed of luxury right as per usual yes i have to stop by the indian restaurant up in portland to make sure i've got nutrition for the moadine Oh, it's going to be fun. Register for Sukkot. Shalom. Yahweh be with you. Baruch haba habashem Yahweh. Shabbat shalom.